Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the Big Interview Q&A show. I'm Martin Gregg and with me today are Graham Hunter, host of the Big Interview and our guest for these shows, La Liga TV's Pete Jensen. We have questions as always from our socios who support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and from our wonderful sponsors at Bet365. We are going to start with a question from an old friend of ours and a top socio, Ian Arnott, aka Ian the Plumber, who asks, Mallorca. They seem to have recovered from their dip in form at the end of 2020 and bounced back from the home defeat to Espanyol with a convincing win over Almeria at the weekend. Do you think they will be promoted? Can they win the league? And can they stay stay up or yo-yo back down again? Boys, we were just talking before we came on air about a four-way battle at the top of League Two. I think uh, given that Ian knows me well and will know of Pete, there's no point in pretending that I spend every weekend watching Mallorca because uh, life in La Liga is is demanding enough that you have to you have to be sort of nosing around all the top division clubs regularly in order to do what Pete and I did last night, which is co-commentate uh, as a team on uh, the Barcelona match. And to be au fait with uh, Elche and Wisca and, and Granada and Cadiz takes... You know, it takes your attention because you know it's easy with the, the Europa League clubs, the Champions League clubs, or the, the clubs that you've been covering for years. But when there's this big influx of either a new club or new talent, um, it, it means that you don't spend a lot of time watching Segunda. When I've watched it, um, I've enjoyed the way that Mallorca play. But then, even though it's not the most extravagant football, their manager, particularly when he was in charge of Levante, uh, Luis Garcia. Brilliant Tom Hanks impersonator. Absolutely brilliant. If you want to restage big, then don't get Tom Hanks. Cut the fee altogether, get Luis Garcia. Um, I like the way they play. I like particularly, um, there's one player who's been rescued there on loan. And I don't know if he and the plumber likes him or not, but Amat, who's on loan from Hitafe, And he, he was hit by a devastating injury. And he was one of the most enjoyable players to watch when Hitafe were really in their pomp. And... I don't know why they didn't recuperate him at Hitafe. And he's been a mainstay, an absolute equal top scorer. He's playing well again. He's still relatively young, about 24 or so. And the biggest thing, I think, is that he's fit. So to see Mallorca come up, to me, would be special. I like them very much as a club. Ireland needs it more than, for example, um, Espanyol as a club need to come up because they're paying huge salaries. They've maintained... 90% of the squad that was in Europe um, a couple of seasons ago, or last season they were playing in Europe when they were relegated. And that type of um, outlay is important. But the city of Barcelona doesn't need Espanyol to be champions, whereas Mallorca being champions and coming up would bring a decent squad with a really exotic ownership, a real mix of people <clears throat> behind them. And I think the point gap at the moment is is two as we speak. By the time this goes out, I don't know. And Ian will know, Pete will pick up for me. The fact that um, the Espanol beat Mallorca on the island is, is not good because it promises to be, because this is a 42-game league, there's about 162 games left to play each. And um, the head-to-head rule counts. 
So the first match between the two of them in Barcelona was nil-nil. And that means that um, Mallorca lost the head-to-head. You're right that they bounced back to be one of the four big contenders um, to go up in Almeria. But it was a horrible result against Espanyol, who have, in my opinion, the best footballer in the division in Raul de Tomas. And this competition, it's not a division without a, a fo- footballs of ability. How Raul de Tomas has escaped the clutches in over two markets of teams that have aspirations to do big things, win a cup, get into Europe for a guy that would have cost you about 25 million euros. I think he's different class. He's got 15 goals and uh, one assist this season. So to answer Ian's question sideways, four, not simply because of the two leading clubs at the moment, because the points gap between the top four, is, including Lega, is very tight. I think that, uh, that Mallorca and Espanyol are the best squads. They're well coached. There's a nice little extra drama because the Espanol coach was pinched from Mallorca and is a real talent, I think, too. So it's a beautiful drama. I think the top two go up. I think Mallorca give you Primera Division football next season, Mr. Fontanero. But champions? Well, I know that Pete knows that answer, so I'm going to hand to him because he's bursting to, to pronounce who's going to be champions. Well, as you say, losing and drawing against Espanol, that, that gives him a big disadvantage. Um, but... Um, I think whenever a team goes down, that you, you, we always get the scenes with the tears, people watching from you know the stands crying. It's the end of the world. Can't believe we've been relegated. The club talk about you know financial Armageddon. They don't get the big league money anymore. But for the clubs that handle themselves sensibly, and for the clubs that plan for all eventualities, it, it isn't the end of the world. And also, if you're a supporter, there's nothing more boring than finishing tenth every season. Um, and to support a club where, you know, never a season goes by when you're not either winning the league, getting relegated, um, qualifying for Europe or going bankrupt. You know, that's just, it's not what you want. And and it's good fun to be to be a Mallorca fan. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know more than more, more than Ian about Mallorca. I'm sure he's watched a lot more of, the, of their games this season. I did notice that uh, Salva Sevilla, um, you know, who must be close to Nino's age. We, we, we watched Nino last night come on and he's looking for his goal to become the oldest player ever to score in La Liga. Salva Sevilla must be creeping up towards 40. And he's still so important for them. I thought he was brilliant last season, despite the fact that they went down. I think he scored, didn't he, against Almeria um, in their last win. And they have managed to keep more or less the spine together. Obviously, they lost... Um, who did they lose? The big centre forward, uh, anti Budimir. But, uh, you know, they kept Rayo and Vallen. The two centre backs are still there. Manolo Reina is still the keeper. Salva Sevilla. Danny Rodriguez is still there. As Graham says, Amat, um, he's got seven goals. Um, Abdon Prats has got seven as well. So, you know, it's a similar spine to the one that got them up and to the one that, that, that came down. And if you manage a club that way, and I spoke to Graham Lasseau, or Graham Lasseau spoke to me last season. I sat down myself and Sid Lowe with, with him. Um, I think I sat down with him. I think it was post-coronavirus, um, before we started having to do all the interviews via Zoom. And... Um, he, um, you know, he spoke about this was this was well. They still had a chance of getting out of trouble, and he spoke, you know, very calmly, very measured about the fact that, you know, if the club went down, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. They were preparing for for all, all eventualities. Um, I thought they were a little bit stitched up with the manager situation, and that does spice up the end of the season in the second division, or it will do anyway, because obviously Moreno made it clear he was leaving or did he actually leave before the end of the season either way um, it wasn't particularly nice for Mallorca for the for the coach to kind of walk out when they still had a chance of staying up um, and it would just be great for Garcia Plaza because he had not the greatest experience at Villarreal you should never ever get involved in family feuds because there's always a chance that um, the family members will end up making up and, and you'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll all be your fault. And that's kind of what happened with Garcia Plata at Villarreal. Um, if you remember, Fernando Rodge Jr. decided that they should change the manager and brought in Garcia Plata. And then Fernando Rodge Sr. kind of called rank about you know what seemed like three weeks later and said, actually, um, we want the other guy back. Um, and that will always look really bad on 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 uh, Garcia Plaza's um, uh, CV, but it was you know wasn't his fault at all. And as Graham mentioned, he did a fantastic job at, at Levante. So I'd love to see him back in the top flight. 
Love to see Mallorca back in the top flight. It's a great trip um, to go and watch them play, and hopefully next season we will be going to grounds again. Um, and can they do it? Yeah, why not? And and um, but it will be difficult to overhaul Espanyol with that rule, which I don't like anyway. The head-to-head goal difference. I'd much prefer the the aggregate goal difference. <clears throat> There's three spin-offs, Martin. If you don't mind, I think that to to get away with those head-to-head and people are arguing. All all the bright people, asterisk. That's a euphemism. On, on Twitter, all the, the football thinkers are saying, away goals are rubbish. Well, away goals is brilliant. Head-to-head, interesting. Uh, we're going to have to chat this out before, before I, I pick up what Pete said um, there. about the. I, I, quite, I quite like it, I must say. The second game is always edgy, and you're always looking for the advantage. It also, I'd point out that, although he's not playing an awful lot, you were the first person, Pete, to, to point out to me that Idrisu Baba looked like a little bit of a prospect. And I thought so. I thought so whenever I watched him, I enjoyed watching him. So I'd like to see him back. And also, it's worth, Ian knows all this, but for those who are just sort of tuning in or listening to this as socios who haven't sent in a question, and next time do, please. They're quite, you know, cosmopolitan ownerships of the two leading clubs because um, Espanol is in Chinese hands. Um, they, they've got a Chinese striker, Wu Lei, who they bought over, who initially coaches weren't allowed to drop of all the sort of 16 coaches that they had in, in the one season. Now, you know, basically Moreno is allowed to do what he wants with them and Wu Lei plays irregularly. But that Chinese investment wasn't based upon being, I don't think, given how, how weirdly they behaved over the transfer market, um, and how much money they spent at the second helping last season in order to try and stay up at all costs. They lashed money out. They weren't prepared for a season in the Segunda. And I think it's almost unthinkable about them not coming up now, given the position they're in, how well they're playing, the quality of their squad. But were they not to come up, if they were to slip into that horrible zone where you've got to go into playoffs at the end of the season... Um, for any of the leading clubs that aren't in the top two, then I think the ownership might be rethinking um, what they're doing at Espanyol. Whereas Mallorca are part owned by a couple of really serious investors, uh, one of whom owns one of the US franchises, I think, in, in, in baseball or NFL. Plus Steve Nash, the basketball player, plus the Sows involved, plus Stu Holden. Born and brought up in Aberdeen, good dandy, made his name for Bolton in the American men's team. So there's there's two really different opposed sets of investors owning these two leading clubs in the Segunda at the moment, which I think also is to to pinch Pete's uh, phrase adds a bit of spice. And you're you're don't get involved in family business, Pete. If you're from farming stock, there's another expression which is don't wrestle with pigs. Yeah. Covered in shit, and the pigs will enjoy it. Just very quickly, Graham, the reason I, I prefer the other type of goal difference is because you get games where, for example, an Elche Barcelona, Elche go 2-0 down, and it's like, well, this game's over, we'll start thinking about Saturday's match, because it doesn't matter if they lose 6-0, 7-0, 8-0, it only matters their goal difference against their direct rivals. But you are right that it does add something extra to, to the games where you've got you know the six-pointers. Yeah, a little cup tie feel, yeah. Yeah, swings and roundabouts, yeah, fair point. Next up, we have an audio question from Socio Shane Hurley, who is asking about Hitafi. This month, I'd like to talk about Hitafi and Jose Bordelas. After years of being one of the toughest sides to face in La Liga, this year, Bordelas seems more on edge. His older players seem burnt out, both mentally and physically, and the newer players are struggling to adapt to his systems. Firstly, could a comparison be made to previous years of what had Diego Simeone has tried to do with Atletico in trying to evolve them. And going forward, should Bordelas stick to his playing style and the characteristics of the playing staff he brings in, but recognise that this would burn players out and he may need to regularly turn over his playing staff, or should he accept that his methods will work with a pool of players, but it will not work in the long term, and after two to three years, he will be the one that should have to leave. Thank you very much for the content on this and both of your great work on La Liga TV. Take care, guys. And just to follow on from Shane's question, we've got one from Social Jake Garley. Are Hitafi in trouble? So a couple of points there. Shane's Atleti parallel. Is regular turnover required or not? 
are they in trouble? We should just add to that that Hitafi are currently 15th, three points clear of the relegation spots. So what do you think about that one, boys? I think Hitafi at the start of the season, I just got the feeling that Bordelas was starting to think, and whether he was being pressurised to think this or whether it was coming from him, you know, maybe we want to take the next step. Maybe we want to do a few few different things. Maybe we want to bring in a, a different type of player. Um, and instead of the kind of two banks of four with the double fullbacks on either side and, 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 and just being being Hitafe, uh, you started seeing Cucurella playing as a number 10. And uh, I think he did something strange with Damien Suarez in one match. I can't remember what it was. It might have been playing three centre-backs and wing-backs. And... Um, and the signings as well at the start of the season. I mean, you lose you lose um, Molina. You need to bring in a new centre forward. He was so important, Molina, not just on the pitch but in the dressing room as well. You really need to get that signing right. Um, and you know, I don't I don't know why they didn't look at Anti Budimir. We were talking about Mallorca earlier. I don't know why they didn't look at Budimir. Budimir's doing doing well enough. Osasuna. They went out and got Enes Sunal who hasn't hasn't done the job really so far. Um, so they're just not hit off anymore. Um, and, you know, they're in real trouble. And, and Borderlass is in danger of, of turning into a little bit of a parody of himself. That, you know, infamy, infamy. They've all got it infamy. And, and um, you know, you could, Graham called this, by the way, um, several weeks back before anyone was talking about Borderlass's job being on the line. They could see the way it was going. And basically, at the moment, um, the only reason he's still there is because you know he, he will cost a lot of money to to get rid of. Um, um, and Hitafi don't have they have a history of, of coaches who do, do play a different way. He's done he's done he's worked wonders for the last, no mistake about that. But you know this is a club that had Mitchell in charge and Schuster in charge and Laudrup in charge. Um, and when they brought in Kubo um, in January, I don't think Bordelas had anything to do with that. Um, and Carlos Elena came in as well on loan and maybe the president is starting to think you know what I want us to go back to playing a different way uh, we're going to have different sort of players and, and that probably will spell the end of, of Borderlass I don't think they'll go down this season but um, it does feel like something that has come to an end there Yeah, I agree Shane's question is really cleverly phrased um, he definitely has been watching a lot of them and Atleti because you know Pete tailed, you know, tailed his answer there with um, come to an end, and there does feel like a burnout. There's, there's it, in the most recent versions of the something's wrong, where as we all speak, they've scored once in five, and they've been characterless in a handful of those games. Not the defeat against Betis; they 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 were back, but the game against Real Madrid, particularly when Real Madrid didn't, you know, Real Madrid had all kinds of experiments. They played three at the back. They played Marvin um, on a starting debut at, at wing-back. Um, they brought Marcelo into the team, which is normally you know, an own goal from the start, this season at least. They played Vinicius at right wing-back in the second half, and he didn't know he was playing there. Um, and they won. And <laughs> they won easily. And Hitafe were not only atrocious, both... Aaron Barry and Maksimovic in interviews post-match talked about a, a, a loss of our character. We'll never win if we don't shoot on goal. Um, we're in danger. Janae came out and said that again the following week. What, what that indicates, um, to my eye at least, is that Ankel Torres, who's this very hawkish uh, Madrid-supporting um, owner, president of Hitafi must be looking down and going the conversation that Bordelas and I had and they both spoke about it in, in the summer about is this a natural break have the club the squad and the manager come to an a accumulation of of how hard we can work with, with each other without there being a natural change of some kind and Shane's point was good and I think that the had it had that been a normal summer, where the football finishes in May ish, and there's a long period of reflection and time to make changes, and it's not and everybody is in meetings, not separate. It's just my imagination, Shane. But I I, I think with more time on their hands last summer and no COVID, I think one or other of the parties. Some of the players asking to get away. Ankle Torres saying, "Look, Pepe, I think 
there's a natural break, see you again in five, six years, go off and enjoy yourself, or borderless going, I've got a good offer, I've had time, my agents had time to place me somewhere, but it was a very concertina summer, very hurried, very strange, it threw all of us, I think a lot of people were anti-change, because there were so many threats, such a curtailment of, of assimilation time, thinking time, that I think status quo was held on to, and and for whatever reason, it's it's easier to blame Bordelas. Particularly, uh, both Jake and Shane will know that in, in recent weeks, it's looked as if the players aren't voting for his continuity, and he's kept behaving just ludicrously. When you're watching professional sport, where this guy on the touchline isn't using his anger or tangling with officials for an effect because you can do you can get into scrapes that are deliberate that help the the circling of the wagons and Bordelas has got into cheap fights been red carded for absolutely no good reason he then slagged off his own club for not being supportive enough of Genet for a horrendous foul that could have ended the campus's career the way in which Jenny stamped on the Argentinian's ankle. And it's, it's fortunate that ligaments weren't severed and, and maybe Jenny didn't do him deliberately, but it was brutal. And in situations like that, you apologise, you take your punishment and move on. And Cambordalas comes out and he's saying, well, the club didn't support properly and it was time to get behind Jenny. Well, no, that's utter shite. And I don't want to be candid about how I say this. So... The, the brutal truth is that the, the apogee for me, I looked it up here, of enjoyment of Hitafi came in September 2018. When they went down to Sevilla, Machin was in charge at Sevilla, and they, they thoroughly outplayed the home side. They played a brilliant, dashing, penetrating brand of football. Ankel scored twice within 40 minutes, and they put Jenny in midfield, they, they scared the living daylights out of Sevilla, but not by booting them all over the park, by being first to the first ball, second ball, third ball. The press was absolutely perfectly executed. It was daring, it was front foot, and, and they walloped them. It was absolutely fantastic football. Against a side that would, you know, not that long after, give the heebie-jeebies to, to Barcelona and Real Madrid. But beyond that, in recent months, many months, not just this season... The way in which the life draining out of the football project has been matched by excess thuggery. The previous seasons when they played to the rules and stretched the rules a little bit about tactical fouls, which Bordelas denies, and he's lying, and sometimes more thuggish fouls if the game is going against them, there's been a place in the game for all of that since it was invented. But increasingly there was a particular foul by Neom um, where he elbowed Messi's neck early in the season in a 1-0 win at home for Hitafi and it, it was utterly reckless into, I mean bollocks whether it was Messi or whoever it was you know it was it was in, in medical terms it was utterly reckless and to, for my taste the the equilibrium the balance between Intelligent, hard, often attacking and technically quite able football and thuggery has gone like that in recent months. So, you know, until they cure that, I say bollocks to them and I say bollocks to Borderlass because he's lost himself a little bit. He's lost his standards. There's absolutely no question that the infamy, infamy, they've all got it infamy, started when he was right, when they were pushing for Europe a couple of seasons ago, so the season before they reached Europe, and they played at Anoeta, and they got two horrendous decisions against them. And Borderlass came out after that and said, referees treat us differently. Now, whether that was true or not, it's a refrain he's never let go of, Shane. And I think you begin to be tainted by constant complaints constant denial of what, of the facts that people can see in front of their eyes and footballers even those who are enjoying themselves and, and Bordelas is owed a lot of loyalty by this squad because he's given them fun they really have scared the living daylights out of Spain's biggest sides they've played European football again the majority of this squad knocked Ajax out of the Europa League last season and if you watch Getafe playing against Inter they should have knocked them out 
There's no question that they had the opportunities and Miss Sitters um, to knock them out. Pete's point about Molina is exactly right. The disconnect between Angel Martin, who's the sports director, and, and Angel Torres, the president, and, and Bordelas is pretty firm if you're replacing... What, what, was, what was Rafa's... Remember, Pete? Rafa Benitez at um, Valencia. He got Canobio. God, where did that come from? He got the Uruguay and Canobio, and somebody said to him, somebody must have been briefed, because in the presentation ceremony when Rafa was in charge of Valencia, well, you got Canobio. He said, well, I asked, I asked for a sofa, and they've given me a, a lamp. And that doesn't, in gentle terms, describe the process of losing this thoroughbred big beast of a striker in Molina, who gave the team, he was the team's lighthouse, whether he was scoring or assisting, up, up, up there on top of his head was a big light showing the team, this is the way to play, stop now, hold the ball, give it to me now, I'll lay it off. This is when we impose ourselves a little bit. You lose that and you replace it with, you know, Milky T, Enes Unal, who's a lovely boy, and I mean a really nice fella, um, has got technical ability, but like... Him and Molina play two different sports and live in two different world, worlds. So how you repay your coach for what he's done for your club by saying, yeah, never mind what you really want. We're, we're buying this type of player now or taking on loan this type of player now. Well, if you're going to arse up like that, why not just have a break like Shane suggested and say, you know, we've, we've run our road, you know, thanks very much indeed. But instead they've kind of had an open relationship and started seeing other people and I'm told that's never good. That was a brilliant question from, from Shane and thanks to Jake as well. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be back in a moment with a couple more questions to complete part one of this month's Q&A. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And we're back with a question on Atleti from longtime social Robert Ryan. Are the issues in the fullback area, brackets, Carrasco can play win back too, the main issue for Atleti's lull in form recently? And I should just add to that, Atleti lost 2-0 to Levante at the weekend and 1-0 to Chelsea in the Champions League last 16 first leg on Tuesday. So, what's going wrong at Atleti? Um, Graham, do you want to kick us off on this one? Well, I want to... I'm at, yeah, I will, but I'm actively keen to hear what Pete's diagnosis is because um, we've both worked in and around the club in terms of interviews and um, going to big finals and commentating on them for years now. What is Diego 
Cholo Simeone celebrating, I think he came in Christmas 2011, so by this Christmas, so long as he stays and he's renewed his contract in January, he probably will, that'll be his 10th anniversary, he's undoubtedly Atleti's most successful coach in terms of trophies, and he's given us an awful lot of enjoyment. At the root of their malaise, um, <clears throat> for my taste, lay several different things, and unfortunately Simeone is one of them. Whatever it is that's going on, my amateur diagnosis stems from a night when um, Carl Spain, Kevin Bridges and I sat in the hotel where I was staying in Milan prior to the 2016 Champions League final. And Atleti were staying there too. And across from us, um, you know, two tables length away, in the in the in the bar, which was part of the foyer in this this lovely hotel, were um, Batistuta, Monoburgos, and Diego Simeone, and it was an intense discussion. It was the night before the game against Real Madrid. The, 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 what I approved of was the, the the goldfish bowls of gin and tonic that Julio Simeone was was swimming in. Um, we were too, I have to say. And the conversation was intense. It was clearly um, deep. It was really focused. It wasn't pre-match. How are you thinking about the, the, the team or who's ready? Or do you remember the golden days for Argentina? It, it, was, it, was, it was in depth. And, and there were things um, on Joe Simeone's mind. Um, he, he looked like somebody who was already dealing with the turbulent ghosts of what if we lose? And they go out and they they largely, for a chunk of the game, outplay Real Madrid. Um, I think it's a really good case that Madrid's goal is offside. Kuzman missed a penalty. There can easily have been a red card um, for Madrid. It comes to penalties with Bale barely able to walk from the halfway line to the penalty spot. And he nicks it home. Madrid don't miss one. The nicest guy in Atleti's squad, Juan Fran hits the post, breaks down in tears, Madrid have won again. And foolishly, I think, in a really long, really interesting radio interview, a couple of months later, Simeone talked about the ghosts of every time he hears the Champions League music, the, the pain, the total pain that he feels, having lost two finals, both of them to Real Madrid, both in the most extraordinary circumstances. And that scarred him. And an already relatively, relatively conservative guy over the years has changed. Whereas he's undoubtedly in it to win it. But his, his utter and complete commitment to victory over anything else, I think has diminished. I know it's an odd thing to hear because stereotypes and pigeonholing stay with you. Stay with a person. And he's characterised as this ruthless, hard guy whose early coaching career at Atleti, and successful in Argentina too, it must be pointed out, mirrored the way he played, which was victory at any costs, everything on the table, every single time. And he's not now. He's got, I think he's still an inspirer of men. I think he can still get through to people. Um, I think that he's he's got the people above him in his thrall because he's earned them hundreds and hundreds of millions of euros with the Champions League performances. The squad is good. The squad is so good that at the beginning of the season they looked really good possibilities to win the title. And within three, four weeks, to my eyes, they looked like outstanding favourites. And there's been elements of you know, lightning hitting them, whereas the number of COVID cases they've had is is out with the, the boundaries of a club whereby everybody's behaving absolutely scrupulously. There's been, amongst the players, I think there's been a little bit of stupidity. I think uh, uh, the spread of COVID at times when they needed the all the big players and they needed the changes off the bench just to see them through bumpy bumpy territory, that hasn't been in their favour. I personally disagree with the way in which Trippier has been treated. Um, that's another matter. He's been absent. And 
I think that tactically, the way in which the, the wing-back problem, whereby three at the back and wing-backs, has worked really well to feed Suarez because the, the wing-backs are allowed to, to bring the game forward. That brings the, the whole Atleti idea forward and Suarez is not left isolated. Not all his goals have come from wing-back crosses, but almost all his goals have come, I mean, about 95% of his goals have come when Atleti are playing high up the pitch. There's one occasion, I should be able to pluck the game out of my head, but I can't, where there's been a little bit of a sprint from Suarez and he's led a dance and he's he's gone through, but that's not his forte anymore. Um, at his age, with his athleticism, it, the brilliance that remains is his technical skills, his brain, and it's just his knowledge of where the, the gaps are in the goal. And Simeone's um, response to how to play wing-backs when, when he's missed, when he doesn't trust Vassalco enough, when he's missed Trippier, when Carrasco's not available, I think was epitomised against Chelsea and I was just disgusted to watch it. It was absolutely atrocious and if he, if he hadn't just renewed in January until 2024, given that he's being paid around or about 20 million euros per season, you know, there was a case for saying to the manager, are, are you trying to get yourself out? Do you want to keep your job? Because to let Chelsea um, play a high line, isolate Suarez... And to get the one player in Llorente who can run beyond and who's got a, a David Platt's ability to arrive at the edge of the box and cause havoc, making us score a goal, when you've got um, Ricard, a proper right-back kid, that you trust. And you put him on and you play him there and you get Llorente playing off uh, Suarez and they're still not match competitive. Joffelic plays 30 minutes or 25 minutes at the end when having stayed nil-nil or putting one nil up against Chelsea, you kill them with the second goal. Um, you, you look at the, the way in which, um, you, even at, at left wing back, for my taste, he made choices that I disagreed with that wholly under, misunderstood Chelsea. There were similar aspects to the high line that Levante imposed on him for the first ever league win against Atleti in the Spanish capital. And... You wanted to take Simeone and shake him and saying, you're, you're letting ultra-conservatism snatch from you the possibility of results that would either tide you over the bumpy period, get a win against the odds, and I, I, I simply can't understand it. And, for example, and it's not just one game that's left me feeling like this, it's the last three or four for example, against um, Celta at home, when that game should have been won, should have been wrapped up, Atleti sit back. Celta don't look particularly like scoring, but they know they're in the game. They've got a very daring new Argentinian coach. They have the ability to play um, quickly and high up the pitch. And at 2-1, where it should have been 4-1, they concede um, against Levante. They're outplayed. They get away with it in Valencia. They come to the capital. They haven't learned their lessons. That's the thing that's that's troubling me. Across his time, Simeone hasn't learned properly the lessons about what being super conservative can do to you, what message you transmit to your players. And I think that the central part of that scarring, which hasn't healed with those two brutal um, defeats uh, against Madrid, the two Champions League final, I think that scarred him, changed him, and it's debilitated him. Debilitated him. I think you have to go back to, to how they ended up playing the wing-backs and the three centre-backs because it started off with he was playing Anamoso on the left and, and Trippier on the right and, and obviously it was there was an imbalance there, deliberate imbalance. Trippier was allowed to bomb forward and Amoso offered, offered the opposite effect on the other side of the pitch. Um, and then he thought, well, you know, why not play Carrasco as well? And Carrasco and, and Trippier is the wing-backs and, and we've got a back three with Hermoso, Savage and Jimenez. And it worked absolutely brilliantly. The only thing about it was it was very reliant on those five individuals, in particular Hermoso and Trippier and Carrasco. Um, and then Trippier gets his ban and Hermoso got injured um, and I think also is a, is a coronavirus positive as well, and, and so is um, Carrasco. So then he's got the big dilemma. Do we 
persist with this system even though we've no longer got the really the right players for it or do we change and, and play a different way and go back to playing 4-4-2 whatever and as Graham mentioned that he had the option for example in the Chelsea game of using Ricard at right back uh, and playing 4-4-2 and if you talk to players who have played under Simeone um, one of the things they say is that no coach no coach coaches defensive football more and that's not to say that he's necessarily just a defensive coach but if you're an Atletico Madrid player, 70% of the week you're you're going over and over and over and again, so that it's an automatic automatic reaction how how to defend. So maybe part of it is that they put so much work into making that system work with the three centre backs and the wing backs that Simeone was very, was reluctant to then go back to playing a different sort of way. And I think that's been the error, um, and it's why they've they've had this blip, and it's why they've dropped points, and it's part of the reason why they were so awful against Chelsea. This trying to play a system that no longer suits them because they haven't had Tripp, Trippier, Carrasco's been out, and Mosa was out for a while. Uh, they have got a great squad, I agree with Graham. I think there's one weakness, and I think that's in the centre of defence. I think um, Jimenez is fantastic, but he regularly gets injured. Uh, Savage has had a really good season. I'm not sure about Felipe, and I don't think Felipe particularly enjoys the system of the three centre-backs. Amoso's been a revelation, and he definitely does enjoy it. So when it's Amoso, Jimenez 100% fit and Savage, it works well. When it's Felipe, it doesn't look so good. Um, and the cardinal sin is, is, the, is the misuse of Llorente. Um, the reason they were so brilliant in the last 10 games of last season is because uh, they, you know, Llorente was released. He terrifies uh, d- defenders. I think there's a case to be made even for him being the best um, strike partner for Suarez because he's got everything that Suarez hasn't got. Um, and to, to then end up playing him a, a, as a wing-back and, and, and he was almost a full-back because I said to Graham yesterday, we were having a debate about how Simeone would approach the Chelsea game. Would it be four at the back? Would it be five at the back? And then when I finally sat down and switched to telly on, he had six at the back. So, you know, Nurenzi was was very kind of uh, shackled um, and it's criminal to, to not have him in the final third where, he, where, he's, where he terrifies opposition teams. I, I still think they can win the league. I think they can get over this blip. Trippier's out at the weekend against Villarreal, then he's back. Um, presumably he's been double timing with the profi and he'll come back flying. And, and if that's the case and if Carrasco comes back as well, then, you know... But, but- there's the there's the big big issue because as as I I, I don't know the answer as I understand it he wasn't allowed to be at the training ground which takes nothing away from what you've said about you find a place with him and Profi Ortega and you keep him running you keep the doggies going you keep the aerobic power going but he's not been working with the team he's so I, I, to me it's it's not a contradiction what you said at all but it's fascinating how do you come back. When you've been completely isolated, not injured, are you as uh, as sharp? Is your resistance as strong? It, to me, because I'm rooting for him so much, because I think he's been treated wrongly. Um, I, I'd love that to happen. That that you can see the effects of Profortega and Trippier, and he comes back and bang! It's not just fit straight again. It's like everybody gets a massive lift. But 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 will it be? I'm honestly I'm fascinated by it. I, I, I've- I've just got this image in my head, Graham, of, as you, as you say, part of the ban was that he wasn't allowed to, to be at the training ground, but I've got this image in my head of of, of the profi on, on, a, on a push bike you know, with a loud hailer um, and, and Trippier with a, you know, glasses and false moustache on so that no one spots him. And they've been absolutely uh, pounding, <laughs> pounding the, the Paseo de Castellano and he's going to come back absolutely flying. Um, maybe slightly out of sync with some of his teammates because he hasn't been with them but physically he's going to be a monster um, and there'll be yeah, no, there'll be no on, stopping it he'll be breaking so quickly that Marcus Llorenzi can't keep up with him um, and by the way I agree with Graham that so many you know bad things happen in the game and you know to get the ban that he got for doing what he did it was it was absurd alright let's finish part one with a question from our sponsors at Bet365 um, well, it's actually two related questions which I'll wrap in together so they say eight points separate the top four in La Liga. Who do you think has the tools to win the title? And will Koeman lead Barcelona to a trophy this season? So just to add to that, the top four sides in La Liga and descending order, Atleti, Real Madrid, Sevilla with Barca in fourth. So the two questions are, who do you think has the look of champions? And obviously will Koeman trophy with Barca this season? Pete, do you want to kick us off in this one? 
Uh, I think um, the Champions League will have a, an effect on on it. I think the team that stays in the Champions League the longest will probably that will probably affect them in the league. It's it's such a, an exhausting season. I'd be amazed if a team went a long way in the Champions League and won La Liga. Um, so um, that might be a problem for for Real Madrid. Um, Sevilla, the only team that look like champions at the moment, but can they sustain it? Um, Atletico, we've we've spoken about. I can't believe that I still think Barcelona have a chance. I've watched them play so many terrible games this season. Me and Graham watched it last night and they were awful in the first half. But they're still in it. If Araujo comes back and forms a decent partnership with Piquet and if they can somehow make Pedri, De Jong and Busquets play every single game in the way that Casemiro, Modric and Cruz play every single game for Real Madrid... Um, and they've got Messi who's having a dreadful season and he's top scorer in our league with 18 goals. They're still in it. So it, it's going to be a, a sensational race right to the end and um, I've got no idea who's going to win it. I, t- I tell you, I like, I like the way that the that Betty 65 have, have phrased that because the team that I've got the look of champions right now is Madrid because they've taken um, what was a pile of muck in, in several games where they just didn't look competitive shrugged it off ramped up win after win after win and sometimes with uh, flair and fun sometimes as grim as you like but the look of champions if you just take a snapshot over the last three, four games it, it's Madrid um, which this is not a vintage season but it would be utterly remarkable if this Madrid side is only the third, I keep going, in 30 years to defend successfully a Real Madrid title win. That Real Madrid have only defended their title twice in 30 years, to me, is, is just extraordinary. It's almost as extraordinary as the fact that until Zidane did it recently, what well, I think... Was it 2016? Can't remember. No, it wasn't 2016. It would have been their last Champions League win, which was against Juventus in Cardiff. And I think they were champions of Spain and champions of Europe. And they hadn't done that jointly since about 1965 or 66. Extraordinary. And that this group, with all the things they've been through this season, should do it would be mental. If Barcelona were to win this title, and, and you're right, Pete, given what they're capable of when they play well, the way in which Koeman does seem to keep inventing solutions from the, the youth academy, uh, the way in which he has definitely brought life to uh, at least two of the new signings in, in Pedro and Trincao, the fact that Dembele is, is, is constantly fit, Piquet is ignored getting an operation on his meniscus problems so that he can come back quickly, therefore putting at risk the, the next two or three years that he says he wants to continue for. If, if all of that, plus the, the the debt, the Leo Messi problem, the intermittent COVID injury, COVID injury, the fact that it's a new coach, the fact that there's a, there's a very poisonous election campaign going on, if they win this title against that backdrop, it'll be nuts. And I think, I don't think Sevilla have ever won the title, or if they have, it was in the 40s. And if they should mount a title charge, it would be astounding, which leaves me in, in Sherlock Holmes' elimination of the, you know, impossible and what's left has to be the answer. I, I think Atleti can get through this, and I think Atleti will win the title. But I'm obviously much less convinced than I was a couple of weeks ago when I called them champions-elect. Um Simeone is the worrying factor because the talent, the all-round talent in that squad, even if it's just if it gets regular fitness and COVID avoidance between now and May, it is very, very good. And I thought that the spirit and the attitude to, to fight off all comers was there. So I'm not moving from Atleti for a title, and that defines the other answer about Koeman. Um, they, they can't beat uh, Paris Saint-Germain. This side can't beat Paris Saint-Germain in Paris by three clear goals. They could, irrespective of what happened in the first leg, they could go there and, and win on a given night. I don't think that's impossible. I think that the first half against Paris Saint-Germain was 
as positive as the second half was utterly negative. Um, a fully functioning team with Araujo back um, in midfield, everybody fit. Could go to Paris and win. I mean, they may go and lose. You start off for one and if people are, are sort of half half committed, then it wouldn't be an awful surprise. But three clear goals, no, so out of the Champions League. The only two that are left, the Copa, which um, I don't know when this is, is broadcast in the socios, but I think that they've got Barca have got Sevilla this weekend and then Sevilla again in the Cup in midweek. Um, I'm think, I think I'm right about the scheduling. And at Camp Nou, we've all seen really, really strange things happen again and again and again. It, will, it, will, it would need the worst Sevilla performance this season and the very best Barcelona performance this season to propel them through to a final either against Athletic or Levante. Um... And I don't think they'll go through. Impossible that they go through, no. Impossible, therefore, that they win the Spanish Cup, no. But Bet365 said, does Koeman get a trophy, no. And I don't think they win the title, so I think it's a trophyless season. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.